Welcome to the Good Shepherd in the Child podcast, where we explore the spirituality of the Christian child through the method of catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I am your host, Carrie Mecki Lozano. So today's episode is covering a lot of frequently asked questions that people have when they are just learning about the catechesis of the Good Shepherd, when they are just wanting to start and they don't know where to start. This episode is for you. I really want to encourage everybody to share this episode with anybody they know that is just starting to get excited about what is the catechesis of the Good Shepherd or somebody who maybe has a lot of questions for you. And if you are that person, welcome. We are so excited that you are here exploring this amazing work with us. We have a lot of resources to help you on your journey, and this episode is just one of them. I hope you enjoy. Karen, welcome back to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. Thank you, Carrie. I'm so happy to be with you again. I'm really excited to have you with us because I know that in your work, in the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, you get so many questions. And so I'm excited to dive into a bunch of those questions with you. I'm excited to help anybody who's interested in the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd answer some of those questions that always have. That would be wonderful. Karen, before we start, how about you tell us a little bit about who you are in your work with Catechesis of the Good Shepherd? All right, I'd be happy to. I as director of formation for the United States Association of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, a position that I have grown into and loved being a part of for 18 years now. And um, But, you know, I was a, a parent with young children wanting to do something meaningful with my children in the church and our director of religious education at the time had uh, told me about a book that she had read called The Religious Potential of the Child. And she was interested in trying to find a way to bring whatever this was that she was reading in this book, now that we know it as Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, to the church. It was a, a long time ago. That was over 30 years ago. So um, <laughs> uh, at that time, training wasn't even that available. And the, the closest training for us to go to was actually in Jackson, Mississippi. It just is how I began in the work was not really knowing that much about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, but very intrigued about what I had heard from what she had to share. And all she had initially was by reading The Religious Potential of the Child. Hmm. We are so blessed today for all the progress that has been made and all the different formations that are offered all over the country. I'm so grateful for the progress. Yeah, I am too. And also, I think just what draws our hearts to know, to discover something that this particular gift of the work of finding or growing in our love and knowledge of God. And this is what this work particularly draws children as well as adults to that depth of understanding. Right, right. So Karen, would you just answer the question, what is the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd? For anybody who might have heard about it like you did and are interested in what this potentially could be for their children or for their parish, what is it? Well, the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, I would say it's a hands-on approach for children in helping them to grow in their love and knowledge of God. 
and it is based on Montessori, Maria Montessori's principles of education, meaning that that look at the human being and the developmental needs from the time children are young, um, what helps them grow in their understanding of the world, and in this particular case, how it helps them grow in their understanding of who God is and their relationship with God. However, the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd began with the work of observation by two women in Rome, Italy, Sofia Cavalletti and Gianna Gobi. And uh, they made it their focus to really invite children into a sacred environment called the atrium, in which biblical and liturgical announcements were provided to the children through the with materials, uh, wooden materials, various types of materials, so that they could work with them, hear those announcements of the Christian message, and come to know who God is, who Jesus is, mm-hmm. who am I in relationship to God. One of the things I appreciate most about this method is that it is very much an observation of the child and not us as adults deciding, I want the child to know this. It's learning about who the child is, this three-year-old, this four-year-old, this eight-year-old, this 12-year-old. Who are they and what face of God do they need? And us meeting those needs rather than imposing our own ideas on their needs and our desires for what they need to learn. It's coming from the other direction of this age child, this person that's in front of me, what needs do they have? What interest in God do they have? And it's it's beautifully respectful in that way. It is very respectful. And I it is about that discovery of what face of God does this child need at this stage of this child's life. That we don't need to pour in all of the vast sea, as Sophia referred to it, of the Christian message. What we need to do is to figure out what most makes sense for a particular child where they are. And for the youngest children, and we're talking about the three to six-year-olds, our first, uh, what's most important is to get to know who Jesus is. Right. Right. It changes. It grows with the children. So we not only know who Jesus is, he invites us into that relationship where we have the announcement of the Good Shepherd at three to six, that six to nine, and even nine to 12, those ages of the children, we're also then looking at what kind of relationship does Jesus invite us to have? How do we remain in that relationship? How do we grow? And what is my place in that relationship? Right. Okay, so if I am wanting to start the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd at my parish or my school, what do I need to do? Yes, I do often get questions about how do we begin. And sometimes people hear about the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd and do understand that there is training involved, but but perhaps um, want to do that training as a, just like a, a program, just like you would have somebody come come in and just train your people right away. Catechesis of the Good Shepherd is uh, unique in the fact that it does base itself on two important elements of how you are offering this to children, and that is to have a prepared environment, which we call the atrium, and a prepared adult, who is the, the catechist. And the prepared adult is prepared through a what we refer to as a catechist formation that will take a certain amount of time in a very retreat 
prayerful-like way to be able to give to the adult the themes that are most needed to give to the youngest children or to any of the age children. But the, the course, the catechist formation, is at least 90 hours. It may take uh, about a year. It depends on the format that the uh, hosting church has. But one of the things that's important about the formation is that it also really needs the atrium prepared. So many times a church will host a course that where they already have catechesis of the Good Shepherd started and an atrium started so that that um, participants coming to the course will be able by seeing the atrium as it's prepared, will be able to capture the vision of what it means to have a prepared environment. They will also then allow the adults to receive each of the presentations as given to the children, but the formation leader will give the adults in the course the presentations uh, using the materials, and it invites the adults into a really a deep reflection on what the Christian message that is being announced, what it is. And um, why are we, how do we best announce this to the youngest children? So it begins with catechist formation. Right. And just to reiterate, you said that in order to host a formation at my parish, I need to already have an atrium established. It is the best. It makes it a real challenge for both the participant as well as the formation leader. We really don't recommend that a, a church host a course unless they have an atrium already started. It may not be complete yet, but it can be at least a, the first half or at a church where they have it up and running because the catechist really needs to capture the vision of what it means to have a sacred atrium environment. And you do that by being in something that is already prepared. And second, it really helps the formation leader be able to have the materials that are needed to give the presentations because there's an awful lot of that as part of the formation is to give all the presentations, everything that is given over a three-year cycle with the children is offered in the training course. Right. And formation can be such a great motivator to build the materials. <laughs> like, you know that you need to have at least all the part one materials made by June 5th, and you get the whole parish involved to help you get all of these materials. And then in formation, you also make materials so you can have the participants help you make some of those other materials that you need, or maybe some backup materials. So it can be a great motivator. <laughs> you know, that's another piece of this that I think is important. In order to look at how to begin Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, it certainly is important for the community of the church or the school. And Catechesis of the Good Shepherd even begins in home settings as well. So, But to have a community of support, that means having the priest. If a lay person is interested in starting Catechesis in a parish, then it would be involving the Director of Religious Education or Director of Christian Formation or Children's Ministry to be able to have all of the different people in who are part of that church setting or the principal of the school to be supportive of getting started. That's one piece of that. Another piece of it is that as you build, it, build an atrium, you can involve people who have various talents and may not realize that those talents, such as woodworking or painting or making even figures with um, 
out of clay or Sculpey or sewing, that all of these different skills can be used to help to build the atrium environment with the materials that are needed. I was really happy uh, as we first started out in our work that this man who was a part of the parish, longtime member, we were looking, we advertised that we were looking for woodworkers and he came forth and said, I'd be happy to start helping you make some of the materials that you need. And then only after he'd been doing this for a while with us, he said, you know, I never realized that my woodworking skills could be used as a ministry, and now I can see how important it is. Oh, that's beautiful. It's very important to have the community involved as much as possible. The other thing I wanted to mention that is also helpful is that in starting out, sometimes there is an interest. um, If there is enough interest, you could begin by having a seed planting workshop. And what that means is you might invite Maybe the formation leader has already been asked to serve an area in a course, but you want to ask others in the area to invite others to know about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd and subsequently the course. The formation leader could be invited in advance to come and offer a half a day workshop that would introduce Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, some of the basic themes and provide a presentation. That's one way of helping to encourage others to look at what Catechesis of the Good Shepherd offers. Another way that I think makes um, also a significant, it significantly impacts people in terms of thinking about this work and how to begin. And that is if there is a, a maybe a handful of people from a parish who are interested, maybe it is the interested person, maybe it's the DRE, maybe it's a lay person, maybe it's also a parish council member or a vestry member or some several key leaders in the church, the priest, of course, if that's possible, but they go to visit an established atrium. I have had more experiences over the years of inviting people to come and see Come and see what the environment is like. Come and see what the atrium is like. This is not necessarily when children are going to be there, but I'll meet them at the atrium, introduce it, give them some overview, and then perhaps offer them a a presentation or two. And they walk into that environment, the atrium, and they'll go, whoa, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. I've never seen anything prepared for children like this. And that's exactly what should be happening when children walk into that environment. Maybe it's a nonverbal reaction, but it is one that says, this is prepared for me. This sacred holy space is prepared for me. So it has made a difference more than I can tell about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd to have people uh, be able to come and visit an environment, an atrium that's already established in a church. And for some people that may be just within their same community in their city and others, they may need to travel a few hours. Even when we started out with Catechesis of Good Shepherd, there was a group of about five or six parishioners who drove quite a number of hours to find the parish with an atrium so they could observe what was going on there. And it really made a difference about why they wanted to get started with the work in their parish. Right. I agree. I have had a lot of success by bringing people into the atrium. If I can just get you in the atrium, you will have that beautiful wow effect and be drawn into the beauty that is the atrium. Just like you said, the children are so drawn into the beauty. The other thing is, is I have found that material making has brought in more participants, more adults that want to be catechists, people who are interested in the work, because there are people who are very interested in 
being creative in art, in woodworking, or um, I had a lady who would come and paint. She was a beautiful painter, beautiful drawer. She did a lot of that part of material making for us. And now she's a level three catechist after about 10 years. So material making also is a beautiful way of getting more and more people involved in this method. Um, But I want to emphasize that the materials, so the materials that we use in the atrium, these are not bought materials. These are not something that I can just order a package from the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd of all the materials that I need. What we like to say, what we know about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd is that it's really a handmade approach to faith formation. Over time, there are materials that can be purchased, but they're not all finished. You can, there, we do have some vendors who do help with making some of the wooden materials if, if you don't have a woodworker, for instance, in your own community. But really, the catechist formation, part of their formation, is includes making the materials from the work of their hands as much as possible because it allows us as catechists to deepen our understanding of what this message is that we are proclaiming to the children. And there is a handmade sense of the, this kind of artistry and artisan way of understanding catechesis of the Good Shepherd that really is a beautiful aspect Mm -hmm. of it. That's why we also say that it really needs to involve the community. So it's not only just the catechist who's making those materials with the work of his or her hands, which is still very important, but it is, it's enlivening the contributions that others can make in the community for the atrium. And I've had a situation in which there was a series of material making at the very beginning of, a, of some atria that we were starting. And there were these material making sessions, just like you described, that you were having. And then we had an open house prior to us starting with the atria and people, parents and the various people who helped in making the materials were walking through, and I overheard this one woman said, you see that diorama right there? I helped to make that one. Oh. I helped to paint this figure, or I sewed this. And they were very uh, delighted to know that they had made a contribution to something that the children were going to be using. And it was really beautiful to hear that. That is beautiful. I have found for myself that making materials is probably one of the biggest ways that I have absorbed the atrium, if that makes sense. It's helped me understand material making has definitely been a huge avenue for me and my growth in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. No, you're right, Carrie. It is. I would say it aids our reflection. Um, Yes, yes. we We are invited into a pace that is slower than most of the world that we're experiencing around us through this work. And part of this is because this is what the children need. They need something that is um, at, a, at a slow um, pace for them. And it allows them to take in the proclamations of, of what we hear from scripture and even the liturgical moments in a way that is that they can think about, that they can... Mm-hmm. Um, that it means something to us. So therefore, with adults, we have to also slow ourselves down to be able to do that. And that happens during the formation. Um, That experience is part of why the formation is what it is, why the length of time is important 
the prayerfulness. It's really like being on an extended retreat. But it also is important because when we have done that ourselves, then we're better, we're more capable of being able to create the atmosphere and the environment that we need for the children at all ages. It's not even just the littlest ones, but at all ages. Right. Carrie, we talk about having different atria or atrium, but we are, when we're referring to that is that a level one is for three to six year old children. Uh, mostly we say kind of preschool age ch- children. Level two is for first, second and third grade children or six to nine year olds. And level three is for nine to 12 year olds or fourth through sixth grade children. So I just wanted to clarify that. And when we talk about these different atria levels, what do we mean by that? So Karen, if I am wanting to start catechesis as a good shepherd at my parish, how many adults would you recommend that I need to be to get formed in order to start? Well, you can begin with one, (laughs) but I usually tell people it's really beneficial if you can have at least two people go to a training, you know, especially if they're going to go um, wherever that formation might be offered, whether it's in your city or whether it's out of town, because you have a partner then who's hearing, listening with you at the same time. You can share notes about it. You can then come back and speak what you are needing to the community and be a similar voice. The other thing is that it helps when you start an atrium. They say you're just beginning with a level one atrium. If you have, um, it's nice when you can have two adults who have already had that formation or at least started it with it so that you can help begin with your children. But um, you can also begin with one trained catechist and an assistant, somebody who maybe didn't go through the formation yet. Um, but is there to be a parent assistant or who learns enough about what needs to be offered with the children. But it really is the catechist who will be giving all those presentations to the children. The, the assistant won't be able to do that unless they've been through the training. Right. So if I have like a nine-year-old and I'm wanting them to have level three catechesis of the Good Shepherd, can I go to level three formation or do I need to have level one first? Yeah, that's a great question. There is, um, it's a very important to begin with the foundation of this work. And the foundation is with level one, working with and receiving the themes given to three to six-year-old children. The reason is that not only is it foundational, as I mentioned, but it also is that these particular themes are cut to the most essential of our faith. And they are grounding to what ends up, how it develops for levels two and three. And so even those themes will continue to what we say is spiral as we, that children grow in levels two and three. So you want to be able to have that foundation first laid at level one. Mm-hmm. Um, we require actually that a person attend the levels one and two before attending level three or to mm-hmm. attend level one before attending level two formation. And this is only for the adults. So if I were to move into a parish that already has all three levels established, but my child has never done catechesis, my nine-year-old can go to level three formation without having previously been to level one and two. Yes. We open our doors to children who come at whatever age they are into an atrium. I work in a level three Um, atria and I have often had children who come to us at level three who have not had levels one and two 
that what is important though as a level three catechist is that with my awareness of that child coming in having had not had those previous levels i also can draw upon those other levels in terms of what i what i feel i should offer to that child Mm -hmm. there are certain presentations that i may want to bring to the level three atrium for that child's benefit just to be able to hear it. But it's not like I'm trying to do everything. There's no remedial catechesis. Right. We, but we do feel like there are always things that we can, we can draw upon because now we have that as our resource in our resources for right. the children. And that nine-year-old is a different person than when he was three, four, and five. So his face of God that he needs is different. So it doesn't make sense for us to like show him all of level one because he no longer is a level one child. But there are certain presentations that are beneficial to have seen or have to sit with as we move forward and maybe a level three atrium. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly right. And that, but as I mentioned, there will be some of those themes are offered in level three. And so right. I just am aware of the fact of where those children are when I'm sitting with them. Right. Um, and so, yes, that's true. So what about cost? How much is it going to cost for me to start the catechesis of the Good Shepherd at my parish or school? This will vary. Some of the key costs I would say at the beginning of, um, as a person or adults are starting catechesis in a particular parish, there's a lot of kind of, I would say, an investment of fees initially, but then at once that atrium is established, you don't spend as much every year on an atrium. So initially the first, the part, the costs are with catechist formation. And for a couple of years, you may invest quite a bit in that kind of training of adults. I always, there always really is a need to train catechists, but we also have found that catechists commit to this for a long time. Many catechists can commit to this for a long time. It just, there is, um, there are times though that there are, um, there's always a need to train further. So you'll have that cost. Once you're established as with an atrium in your own parish, you can host a training which also helps you with that investment of catechist formation because you're training your own people plus then you're inviting people from outside of your parish to be a part of that training. Mm-hmm. The also initial cost would be in, in securing the space. It's really beneficial if you can have a dedicated atrium space, if possible. Sometimes that's not possible initially, and it requires um, a space that is multi-purpose. So it's the atrium is packed up or, or stored during on days that it's not being used, and then set up each day. But initially, you have to consider bookshelves, and the sizing of those shelves is important. Um, you have to consider a few pieces of small tables and chairs for children. Not a many. You don't have to have one for every one, every child. But you had then all the other materials. And I would say that an atrium actually can be built over a three-year period of time. It doesn't all have to be ready at the very first day you want to begin. But you do want to start with what is needed for the child in their first year in the atrium. Mm -hmm. And that's usually should be the first half of your catechist formation, should equal that. So that you can build the build the atrium over time, and that cost can then be spread out over a three-year time period as well, which I think is really important to know. I would say, uh, on average, an atrium may be as little as a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars. 
to start to three thousand or up to four thousand dollars. It depends on if you are making those, getting those materials made within your community. If those who are making those materials are offering their labor as service to the community and just paying for the materials or whether you are purchasing some of the unfinished materials from one of the approved CGS um, of vendors. So there is some variation in that and there is some variation in how much a training cost for catechist. I would say an average of a level one formation though is around five to six hundred dollars for a person to train. We do have a Tina Lilig Memorial Fund for scholarships, for partial scholarships. So if those who find that cost challenging, they could apply for their catechist for training. So there are ways to look at that cost that make it affordable. I would also say though, again, thinking about it, you're investing not only in that environment called the atrium, but you're investing in the catechist right. who are being trained. We have some catechists that have moved on to help with middle school or high school. And I always tell those coordinators, you're welcome. We have formed them very well. <laughs> they are now, now you get the benefits of their catechesis of the Good Shepherd formation. And also, like if you think about traditional faith formation that uses books and needs to buy new books every year, the cost is pretty comparable because those reusable, I mean, non-reusable books that they buy, they're about $20 per kid. So depending on how many, if you have 100 kids in your elementary program, that's $2,000 that you have to spend every single year. So I find that the cost of an atrium and formation is pretty equivalent to what you would have to pay for a traditional model of faith formation that needs new books every year. I would even say it can be less because it isn't something that you have to spend. There's a maintenance. There can be a maintenance cost to the atrium, but really once it is, once each atrium is established, as long as you have trained catechist for them, you're really is a maintenance cost right. um, because all those materials have a, continue to live. They're, they're well-made. They don't really, um, they don't get used up. <laughs> they don't have to be thrown out. So anyway, I think that's an important aspect of us. And I think how creative you get in making your atrium. Um, thrift stores are our friend and um, how much you ask your community to support the building of materials is definitely going to affect your overall cost. Now, Karen, what about how much time I need to make sure we have every week? What if I only have one hour between the two masses that we do our faith formation? Well, Catechesis of the Good Shepherd in our characteristics of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd indicate that weekly sessions should be two hours that each, at each level. However, we also are aware of the fact that it may not always be um, something that every parish can do and that there are some there is a framework for whatever the parish is requiring of religious formation if we can't start at two hours it would be great if you can begin at least at an hour for the children or hour and 15 minutes and then move up to that two hour period many atria are also at an hour and 30 minutes but something that's less than an hour really doesn't give the children the necessary time they need to settle into not only what is offered to them in the presentations, but one key component of an atrium experience for the children at all levels is um, allowing them 
time and space within the environment to further their reflection on what they've heard the catechists present with either the work of their hands with the materials or other work that they have in the environment. We Mm -hmm. invite children into a, a place of working because what we're saying is that that is a way of reflecting and listening for that voice of the Good Shepherd that calls them by name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've always ne- had an hour and a half. We've never been able to get up to two hours, but I cannot imagine being able to work less than an hour and a half. That would have that would be very difficult. And I'm sure if I'm used to two hours, I probably would say the same thing. What we've noticed is that the children sense that. And so if children are mostly accustomed, and I notice this happening a little bit more even with the older ones, but if they're accustomed to being going quickly from one thing to another to another to another um, in their life, their life is kind of tended to be like that maybe because of even their school experience, then they actually don't take time then to choose the work that is available to them in the environment to really delve deeply into it. And, but when we give them that time, there's almost like this silent depth uh, sigh. Yeah. Oh, now yeah. I can, and I see them settling into that, right. um, into that work. It's really such a difference. So giving the children time, just like we're giving them this sacred holy space in which to work, to live, and to grow in that, like I mentioned before, the love and the knowledge of who Jesus is. Right. God is for them. I agree that the longer time allows the children to settle. Just this week in the atrium, I had a child who was had a lot of energy. It was his birthday. I'm sure he had had a lot of sugar that day, and um, he was jumping from works he from one work to the other. And I was just kind of watching him. And after a little while, I want to say about 30 minutes of the work time. I watched him start to settle and he picked up a different work and he sat with it for about 30 minutes and was con- so controlled. But it took time for him to get to that place. And if we had had a smaller, a shorter atrium session, he wouldn't have ever gotten there. Yeah. There's a great deal of patience in catechesis of the Good Shepherd, I think, and an appreciation for giving children a space. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. that I think is so valuable. And because what we're offering children is something very uh, internal. It is about their internal life, right? their life um, that I think we maybe ignore in a general sense in our, in our world that, that we each had this inner life and that what we're helping children to recognize is that that's where in the quiet of um, an environment like the atrium, um, even though it may not always be very quiet, there's always sometimes a hum of activity. Right. That uh, that's where we become accustomed to listening to that voice that calls us by name. Right. And how the children have very few places in their life where they encounter that space and that respect that is offered to them in the atrium. And I think that is one of the things that touches their hearts so deeply. Um, Karen, before we finish. Are there books that you would recommend as your top picks for somebody who is brand new to this work and has all of these typical questions? What book would you recommend to them? Well, since most people will, um, since people would begin with level one catechist formation, the three texts that make up that formation 
are The Religious Potential of the Child by Sophia Cavaletti, Listening to God with Children by Gianna Gobi, which is currently um, out of print, but we are working on that, and uh, The Good Shepherd and the Child, A Joyful Journey, which has been edited by uh, Rebecca Brisevich. There is also a book that has uh, was written by Tina Lilly mm-hmm. called The Catechists of the Good Shepherd in a Parish Setting. Yeah. So any of those would be a good place. I would actually suggest that if you just want to begin with getting an idea, a little bit more of an idea about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, you could begin with not only the book, the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd in a Parish Setting, but also perhaps the um, the Good Shepherd and the Child, A Joyful Journey. Right. Um, those are those are simple books. They're not too lengthy, and um, they can be a good way of, of launching you into an understanding of what this is about. Right. I I would agree. Those two books I think for, are the best beginner books. If you if you're not sure, you've just heard about this program and you want to know a little bit more about it. Those those are great beginners. Right. Is there anything else, Karen, that you would like to lift up before we finish? Well, I was thinking that perhaps as uh, we conclude that I might also lift up one of the characteristics of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, mm-hmm. uh, number three, um, because I think it's a, ni- a really nice one to really hold what we, uh, who we are as um, in this work, because it states that the atrium is a community in which children and adults live together, a religious experience that facilitates participation in the wider community of the family, the church, and other social spheres. And we see the atrium as a place of prayer in which work and study spontaneously become meditation, contemplation, and prayer. The atrium is a place in which the only teacher is Christ both children and adults place themselves in a listening stance before the before his word and seek to penetrate the mystery of the liturgical celebration. So I think that that's an important aspect of us to remember. What is it the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd is all about? Why do mm-hmm. we do this? It is because of this. This particular characteristic lifts it up for us, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you, Karen. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. And thank you for your work in the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. I hope that this episode answered some of those main questions that you have. There's no way that we have exhausted all the many questions that you probably have about this work, about formation, about how to get started. So I have a bunch of resources for you in our show notes. So I have some podcast episodes that you might be interested in. Our very first episode that we have called God and the Child with Rebecca Savage is amazing. It dives right into the heart of this work. I also have a link in our show notes to another episode that I did with Karen specifically about catechist formation. So you might be interested in that one as well. I also strongly encourage you to go back just a few episodes to episode 72 called Characteristics of the Good Shepherd Catechesis by Sophia Cavaletti, where I read Sophia's words about this work, and it is beautiful. 
So those are some great episodes for you to check out if you would rather listen. Now I have some reading if you're interested as well. There's the couple books that Karen mentioned, The Religious Potential of the Child, Joyful Journey, and Catechesis of the Good Shepherd in the Parish Setting by Tina Lillick. I have links if you want to purchase those, or maybe you want to purchase those for a friend who's starting to get interested in the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. Links to those books in our show notes. Now, I also have episodes that go along with many of the chapters in Joyful Journey and The Religious Potential of the Child. So if you want to start reading either of those books and you want to listen to a podcast episode that goes with each chapter to help just kind of digest the really amazing things that are in each of these chapters, I have a list of episodes that go with each chapter. And again, there's a link to that list in our show notes. There also is a PDF. So if you don't want to purchase anything, you don't want to listen to anything, there is a PDF that's about four pages long that kind of answers a lot of the main questions that people have when they're just starting the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I have a link in our show notes so that you can read that PDF online. So I really hope that all of those resources really help you out. Um, Karen shared her contact information in the show notes as well. And there's a lot of information online on our website, cgsusa.org, to help you on this journey. We want to help you every step of the way. We know that it can be very intimidating as you're just getting started in this work, seeing all the days of formation and all the materials that need to be made. But I promise you, it is transformative. It will change your life. It is worth it just one step in front of the other. You got this. This podcast is sponsored by the United States Association of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. If you would like to know more about the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, or if you would like to become a member, please go to cgsusa.org. Thank you all for listening this week. We will see you in two weeks. Go and fall more deeply in love with God.